0: I invite you to open up God's word with me this morning to the New Testament uh, letter to the Hebrews will be in Hebrews chapter 10 this morning. And as always, let me encourage you to find a place in God's word and follow along. If you don't have a copy of the scriptures uh, with you, I would, I would encourage you to uh, to take a pew Bible or to look on with a neighbor. And you can find this text on page nine hundred and uh, seventy-three of uh, our church pew Bibles. Uh, But as we began, let me uh, state the obvious. Easter is uh, behind us. Easter is behind us. But uh, the message of Easter ought to be ever before us. And so I want to focus this morning on keeping the faith on persevering in the faith, on keeping the faith. You see, the reality is that uh, many folks gathered, we know this, many folks gathered uh, right here last week and across this city and even all over the world and heard the greatest news uh, ever told, the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But scores of them failed to show up again this week. And so let me begin by saying thank you for showing up uh, again this week. Uh, and I don't sound that to, uh, to, to be crass or crude or to imply any sense of uh, superiority for those that uh, gather week after week. But simply to say this, uh, that not everyone who hears the gospel responds to the gospel. And, and don't take that from me. That's not original with me. That's what the scriptures teach us. That's what our text for this morning tells us. So let me invite you to look at it with me together. You see, we're in our final week. We've been looking at portions of uh, this letter, the uh, book uh, of Hebrews, over the last several weeks. And we're in our final uh, week in Hebrews for a while this morning. Um, and we want to look specifically at the end of chapter 10, the, the verses, the passage that come directly following uh, our Easter text. For our Easter message last week, and you may remember, someone may remember the uh, central point uh, of that text as I presented it last week was that Jesus provides us access to God. Uh, Jesus provides us access to God, and by that, uh, how does He do that? Well, He He uh, He removes our guilt. Uh, he grants us eternal life, and one of the gifts that we saw from His Word is that He gives us uh, a family. He gives us His Church, and in our text for today. It's as if uh, the author of Hebrews uh, says, don't forget that. Don't forget it. Don't move beyond that message of the gospel. Don't minimize the gospel or lose sight of it. Don't walk away from it. Persevere and keep the faith. But I don't want to put words in his mouth, so let me invite you to hear it from him. Let's hear it from the Lord. Hebrews chapter 10, and as is our custom here, as you find your place in God's holy word. Let me invite you to join me standing, uh, whether in body or in spirit, for the reading of God's holy word. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 26, and I'll read verses 26 through 31, and then verses 36 through 39. The text reads this way. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. But only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? Who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Now beginning in verse 36, we're instructed, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And but my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back, but we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved Would you join me in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you teach us, that you instruct us, that you reveal yourself to us, Lord, that you not only know us, but you want to be known by us. And so, Lord, we thank you for this book. Thank you for your spirit that you promise is with us as your people. And Lord, we pray that your spirit would lead us now and speak to us now. Instruct us and shape us and challenge us and exhort us according to the truth of your word. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, Don't Shrink Back uh, would be an appropriate title for uh, today's message. For the author of Hebrews has in mind here... Uh, those uh, who, who who have heard the truth, those who've heard the truth regarding sin and salvation and yet who've walked away from it. You see, they've been part of a community of faith, i.e. the church. They've even attended church. They've been a part of this gathering, yet they are no more. Or perhaps there are others who still associate with the church, gathering and singing and participating in churchly activities but there's never been any real internal change of heart and allegiance. Sin and self remain supreme, not Jesus. And so the hard truth that we hear here, at least to begin with, is this, that God's judgment awaits all who refuse to repent upon hearing the truth. God's judgment awaits all who refuse to repent upon Hearing the gospel, friends, the gospel is a message to be heard audibly and to believe to to be believed intellectually. But it's also uh, a message that is to be received personally. Biblical faith involves the mind and the heart. It is both craniological and cardiological. It involves a, a movement of the will and a change of allegiance. And that's why repentance is a crucial component of our response to jesus in fact jesus himself the son of god in the flesh during his earthly ministry said so mark chapter 1 verse 15 the time has come he said the kingdom of god has come near repent and believe the good news i think we often forget that confession and repentance though related are not quite the same thing You see, repentance is more than confession. I I can state my wrongs to you without ever really feeling any remorse over them. This reminds me of a conversation that I heard about between uh, my four-year-old nephew and uh, two-year-old niece uh, who had been learning in church what it means to pray, some different components of of prayer. And so they went home, and and Wilson, the older of the two, was telling his little sister Mary Ellis uh, how to pray, and so uh, he was talking about confessing your sin. And so he said to Mary Ellis, uh, what are you sorry for? And Mary Ellis responded as a toddler, just a sort of matter of fact way. Uh, I- I'm sorry for jumping on the couch. And that sort of caught Wilson's attention. He recognized, yeah, I've done that too. I- I'm sorry for that too. And so I asked my brother um, just the other day, I said, do you think that was repentance or was that confession? Uh, and he said, well, he said, I'll put it this way. Uh, they've both jumped on the couch about a thousand times since. And so uh, you make your own evaluation. <laughs> you see, biblical repentance involves a change of direction. There's acknowledgement of sin and there's remorse over it, a commitment and a desire to go in the other direction, a brokenness and a sorrow over wronging the Lord. We see this in God's word, we see it in the story of Pentecost recorded in Acts chapter 2 where Peter and the apostles have been preaching, they've been sharing the truth about who Jesus is and Peter stands up and he really lays it on the crowd. He does not hold back. They killed Jesus and he tells them so. God sent Jesus as the Messiah to save you from your sins, he essentially says, Lord of all creation and you murdered him. And listen to how the crowd responded, for this is the right response to the gospel. Acts chapter 2, verse 37, we read, When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. Conviction over wrong. They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? was convicted and broken over their sin. They wanted to make it right. And what does Peter tell them to do? He tells them to repent. Repent and be baptized. Repent. Turn away from this and identify with Jesus Christ the Lord. Now, don't mishear me. We're saved by grace alone. We know this. The Bible is clear on this. There's nothing we can do to earn our salvation. It is a gift of God. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. This means that neither a changed life, Uh, nor good works can earn or accomplish our salvation. But a changed life and good works should follow our salvation. In fact, James is quite clear on this. They provide evidence of it. He tells us that faith without works is dead. It's not genuine faith. In a similar way, the author of Hebrews says in verse 26, He says, If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. In other words, if we treat the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the one and only atoning sacrifice that takes away the sins of uh, the world, if we treat that sacrifice as if it's unnecessary and continue living a life of sin, there is no other avenue of forgiveness. There is no other way of salvation. But he says, verse 27, only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Friends, the gospel cannot be marketed. It is not a product to be played with. You cannot be manipulated or fooled into following Jesus. It's not like uh, a mattress that you uh, perhaps can purchase and try out for 90 days or so. And at any point in those 90 days that you're unsatisfied, you can return it for a full refund. It isn't something you try out. See, responding rightly to Jesus Christ with repentance and faith is a really good option, but it is the only option. It is the only option from, for, for removing uh, from dead in our sins to life in Christ. It is the only option for forgiveness. It is the only option to be made right with God. The Bible is essentially saying here, if you fail to repent upon hearing the gospel, then you remain condemned in your sins. If you reject the lordship of Jesus Christ, then his sacrifice will not save you. So make sure you respond rightly to the truth about Jesus See, God's judgment awaits all who refuse to repent upon hearing the gospel. And we see here that God's judgment awaits all who reject Jesus and his sacrifice. God's judgment awaits all who reject Jesus and his sacrifice. Verse 28, anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. It's important, I think, for us to pause and know that this is not describing those who didn't live up to the law, those who didn't follow the law perfectly. Jesus made clear that no one has done that. We've all fallen short. The law was given to expose our sin and to teach us God's righteous and holy requirements. So those who rejected the law of Moses are essentially the ones that said, I don't want anything to do with that. I don't want anything to do with God. I'd rather worship other gods. I'd rather go my own way. Condemnation for that was death. The author goes on, verse 29, and says, How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? Translation It is a really, really big deal to reject Jesus and his sacrifice. For when you do, you are essentially saying, my my sin is not a big deal, and neither is the cross. And to do so, whether in word or in deed, is to reject God's gift of grace and to await his judgment for your sin. The judgment that Jesus took for you and for me so that we don't have to. So don't reject Jesus. Don't reject Christ and his sacrifice. For Acts chapter 4, verse 12, salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name, the Bible says, under heaven, given to mankind, by which we must be saved. Salvation is only found in Jesus. Statistics and studies show that droves of young people are growing up in church or attending church and graduating high school and going off to college. And many of them uh, leaving the church never to step foot and again, in fact, I had a conversation just this past week with someone who has uh, charted that course, who grew up in church, but wants nothing to do with the church and nothing to do with faith in Jesus anymore, says that's really not for him. Perhaps, you know, people like this and no doubt there are often a number of reasons that perhaps contribute to this. Uh, but regardless of what some may say, I don't think the primary reason that folks may be leaving the church is because we've failed to entertain them. I think. In fact, it may be quite the opposite, but they are leaving it at least in part because we have failed to show them the full gospel. We have failed to preach the whole truth and to model new life, a changed life in and through Jesus Christ. You see, instead of inviting folks to count the cost, we have offered oftentimes some watered down version that is just as easily abandoned as it, just as easily abandoned as it is received see, rightly responding to the gospel is not so much about asking Jesus into your heart as it is about turning and trusting and following Him. Repenting and trusting in Jesus. The gospel says, repent, turn away from sin and self, and follow the Savior. Don't trust in yourself anymore. Turn away from sin and follow Jesus, the Savior. God's judgment awaits all those who refuse to repent upon hearing the gospel. God's judgment awaits all those who reject Jesus and his sacrifice. But church, praise God from whom all blessings flow because God's salvation awaits all those who live by faith in Jesus. God's salvation awaits all those who live by faith in Jesus. We talk about salvation sometimes in different ways. It is something that has already been accomplished for us on the cross of Jesus Christ. It's something that we experience in part now. As followers of Christ, we're saved by His grace, we're right with Him, we can uh, enjoy uh, an abundant life of walking by faith in Him here and now, but there is a great portion of our salvation that awaits His return, consummation of our salvation, full enjoyment of access to God without any separation of sin. That's ball season here in Alabama. I think it's always some kind of ball season here in Alabama, but right now it's uh baseball and uh and uh, tee ball and, and softball and, and i'm sure some other uh sports maybe golf some other sports uh, as as well but uh when it comes to little kid ball teams there's often a, an end of end of season celebration of sorts a, a party we're there uh in my family right now but can you imagine um if you were part of a team or the, there were children who were part of a team uh, who never wanted to attend practice uh, wanted nothing to do with the the, the the practices. Really wanted nothing to do with the sport. Nothing to do with the game. Didn't show up for the games. Or maybe showed up and wanted to sit on the sidelines and do something else. But yet, when it was time for the end of season celebration, they were going to be at the party. In fact, it reminds me of um, uh, uh, something we witnessed yesterday at the ball fields. There was one little girl that was part of a softball team and it was a hot day and they'd already played a lot. And she said, I'm done. I'm not going to play this game. <laughs> but you know, when it comes to to following Jesus. When it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel declares that God's mercy meets us where we are. We don't get right with God. And then decide to on, on our own. And then decide to follow him. It meets us where we are. Dead in our sin. Meets us where we are. But it does not leave us as we are. The gospel is that we are saved by grace. But such grace moves us to live our lives For the God who saves us. This is why the author of this text can write to professing Christians, the church, and say in verse 36 you need to persevere. You need to keep the faith. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. In verse 39, he says, But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. In other words, our lives ought to demonstrate the validity of our faith. Or in the words of uh, one author, faithfulness to the end affirms faith from the beginning. Friends, this text is a call for a personal faith examination. A personal faith examination because of the certainty of God's coming condemnation for those who are not his, those who are not followers of Jesus. This text shouts a warning, if there is no fruit in your life, consider again your response to Jesus Christ, the author of all life. And if there is fruit, essentially he's saying, press on in the faith and demonstrate your salvation. Apostle Paul weighed in on this subject as well. Uh, The notion that there was such thing as uh, cheap grace or that we could take the grace of God uh, as a gift for ourselves. for Certainly, that's what grace is. It's not something we earn. It's a gift that God gives to us. Uh, But because it is a gift, he was uh, anticipating uh, the accusation that if grace is a gift, we can live however we want to. Uh, sort of uh, grace being a uh, get-out-of-jail-free card or uh, a ticket out of hell, saying, yeah, I'll take that because that helps me in this way, and then I'm going to go on with my life and live however I want to. And this is what he says in response, recorded in Romans chapter 6. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? In other words, can't I just live how I want to, and God will continue showing me his grace, and he'll continue getting the credit for my salvation. And he says, uh, by no means, we We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? In other words, there's been a change, a change in status, a change in identity. Certainly, we still wrestle with sin. Paul made that clear in the next chapter in his own life. But there's a desire to follow after the one who has saved us. Grace is not a license to sin. But instead, it's a motivation to live a life free from sin for the glory of the one who freed us. God's grace is the motivation behind the admonition of Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, where he writes, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. He says, conduct yourselves, conduct your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, for by so doing, you demonstrate that you have rightly responded to the gospel of Christ. By keeping the faith, you show that you have rightly received the faith. I think our text is a warning and it's a reminder. It's a warning to repent. It's a warning to repent and trust in Jesus. And it's a a sobering reminder in the words of uh, one author that hell is full of people who have a clear understanding of the gospel, but never bowed the knee to Christ as king. So, friends, let's be a people who bow the knee to Christ as king. Let's not trust in our knowledge of the gospel for knowledge is insufficient. Do not trust in your knowledge of the gospel. The devil knows the gospel. Knowledge will not save you. When we gather for church, I hope we learn. Certainly hope we don't check our minds at the door. But I hope we bring them with us and we engage God's word deeply. I want us to immerse ourselves in the scriptures and learn the truths of God's word and remember the message of salvation, even memorizing portions of the Bible. But at the end of the day, your knowledge of this book will not save you. Do not trust in your knowledge of the gospel, but trust in the God of the gospel. Trust in the God of the gospel. The one who made you the one that sustains you, the one who desires to redeem you through Jesus Christ, for he can and he will save you. If you turn, trust and follow him, friends, God is just. The Bible is clear that God will soon execute justice against all those who have rejected him, but He is also a God who is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. a refrain that 's repeated time and time again in the scriptures that this is who he is he 's slow to he 's patient. His faithful love endures forever. You can trust Him. So trust Him. Trust in the God of the gospel for He desires to save you and He will save all those who bow before Christ the King. So bow before Christ the King. Surrender to Him for He is King. Christ is King and He is worthy. He's worthy of our allegiance. He's worthy of our devotion. He's worthy of our lives. He's worthy of every single part of us. And true delight and joy is found in surrendering to In serving him. If you surrendered to him. If you bowed before him. If you recognized his greatness. And his worthiness. If you bowed before Christ the king. If you haven't. Why don't you bow before him today. For his judgment is coming. I think the preacher who wrote. Hebrews. Is pleading with us. He's pleading with his listeners. His readers. He's pleading with us to trust God fully. He's pleading with us to bow before Christ the King, and he's pleading with us to follow Christ the Savior. Follow Christ the Savior, the one who laid down his life for us, the one who represents us before the Most High God, the one who mediates our case before before God. You see, Christ is King, he is ruling on high. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. He he will reign forever and ever and ever. And yet He is also Savior. He's the one who rescues us from the predicament of our sin. He's the one that rescues us and brings us into His kingdom by God's grace. He demands our devotion and yet He leads us with love. Are you following Him? Are you following Christ the shepherd? To follow Christ is to give him your life, which is quite difficult for sinners. Until you consider that he gave his life for you. Friends, here's the bottom line. God mercifully forgives those who repent and follow Jesus. God mercifully forgives those who repent and follow Jesus. Meaning it's a gift undeserved. The gospel is a display of God's mercy. And it is applied to the lives of those who turn and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. So let's repent and follow Jesus. We can't afford to play around with this. We can't afford to miss what the scriptures are saying here and throughout about Turning and trusting in Jesus, the way and the truth and the life. This is God's will for us that we repent and follow Jesus. It's the way of salvation. So repent and follow Jesus. For if you do, you will, the Bible teaches, keep the faith. I want you to close our time together. Repeating that phrase after me. We can't can't miss this. Would you repeat after me? Repent and follow Jesus. Jesus. Again, repent and follow Jesus. Jesus. That was a little better. How about like you really believe it? Repent Repent and follow Jesus. Amen. Would you pray with me? Father, we bow before you in faith today, believing that you are who you say you are, that your word is true and that you are trustworthy. And Lord, despite what we have earned for ourselves because of our sin, despite our inability to measure up. Lord, you have extended mercy to us, forgiveness of sins to us, eternal life to us by your grace through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, we've had gatherings last week, the days leading up to Easter Sunday, certainly on Easter Sunday, celebrating this truth, remembering the gift of salvation and the price that was paid. But Father, we have come again today to celebrate this truth, to celebrate this gospel. Lord, may we take it to heart. May we not minimize it or play around with it, Lord, but may we embrace it. May we bow before Christ the King and follow Christ our Savior. For he is worthy. And he's good. Lord, guide us now as we respond to the truths of your word. As we sing of your greatness. Lord, as we express our devotion to to you. Lord, may we trust you. May we have a genuine trust in you that leads to obedience. Lord, lead us now. Hear our praise. Speak to us. Lord, hear from us. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.